Hey out there Sabres fans, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Sabre Talk podcast. This is Mark Geis, your host, and I'm going to be discussing the Sabres 4-0 loss uh, tonight, Monday night, versus the Boston Bruins. So it was a disheartening loss. It's always very frustrating to lose to the Boston Bruins. I think Sabres fans as a whole have a lot of animosity toward them, a lot of history between these two teams. Young fans have had quite a bit of time to to uh, develop some hatred for the Bruins, and obviously some older fans have decades of of some tough battles between the Bruins and Sabres to, uh, to look back on and have developed a big dislike for this team. So losing 4 to nothing looks horrible on the scoreboard and makes you think the Sabres were dominated in this game. I think they were certainly outplayed, but it wasn't quite as imbalanced as the score would have you believe. Uh, the Bruins had eight power plays in this game, so the Sabres spent a ton of this game on the penalty kill. And it's really hard to, to win games when you spend that much time shorthanded. It's virtually impossible especially when you give up three power play goals on those eight power plays. So that was kind of the story of tonight, the Sabres taking taking a lot of penalties. Jake McCabe took a horrendous penalty in the second period, and horrendous in terms of the judgment of the refs being horrendous because that was not a penalty. You know, the, the Sabres were already shorthanded. Zemgus Gurgensons had gotten a four-minute penalty, a, a double minor for high-sticking David Backus, not too long before that. So the Bruins were already on the power play, and McCabe makes a normal play on David Pasternak coming up the boards, and they called a trip. And I didn't see it. Even on the Bruins broadcast, they were saying there's not a lot there and that 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 shouldn't have been a penalty. And we know how biased the Bruins broadcast is. Any of you that have listened to Jack Edwards and uh, the NESN crew over there, but even they were saying... There's not much there. It's a tough call for the Sabres to take. And then McCabe slams the stick against the boards, coming off visibly frustrated, and gets another two minutes. So the second period was really a disaster for the Sabres. They they gave up three goals in the third period. Obviously didn't score any. They were shut out. Uh, gave up two power play goals out of those three goals. They were outcoursed 26-9, to I believe, were the numbers. And they were outshot, I believe, 12-5 to in that period. Uh, just were outplayed, spent a lot of it shorthanded. And that was really the turning point of the game. Uh, the Bruins were up one to nothing before that penalty spree, and then it kind of broke open at that point. But in this game, if God Leonard didn't show up, the, the Leonard that played against the Senators two nights ago, the Sabres didn't have a, didn't have a shot at winning. And... Leonard didn't let in any bad goals. I wouldn't say any of these goals are really his fault, but he didn't make many big saves tonight. So Leonard had a pretty average performance. Not great, not bad, but that wasn't enough to win this game where he spent so much of it shorthanded. And not only did the Sabres spend a lot of time shorthanded, but they really couldn't figure out the Boston power play. Boston was able to get a lot of shots on goal. Um, They were able to move the puck pretty much at will, and the, the penalty kill just struggled. And that's one of the reasons why the Bruins were 3-for-8 on the power play. And they would 16 shots on goal on the power play in this game, which is pretty remarkable in and of itself. They had 42 shots on goal total compared to the Sabres' 32. But the Sabres actually outshot the Bruins at even strength. Now, I know shots aren't a tremendous proxy for 
who outplayed whom, but at the same time, I think this game is a lot more even than that four to nothing score would indicate. And if a couple of calls had gone the other way, Sabres very well could be talking about a one to nothing victory or two to one or a one one to nothing loss or a two to one loss or, you know, a, a close game rather than looking like they were throttled four to nothing. You know, this wasn't an encouraging performance. They really haven't had encouraging performances over the last handful of games. This is really a team looking to keep its head above water until till Vander Kane and more importantly, of course, Jack Eichel get back from injury. It's a team just kind of looking to get by and win some one nothing, two one games, and stick around five hundred until these important players come back. And it it shows. You know, they're not outplaying teams. They're playing close, pretty ugly games for the most part. Uh, they won that Ottawa game despite being outplayed. Leonard stole that for them. They won that Minnesota Wild game, which is a pretty ugly toss-up sort of game. I think they did outplay the Maple Leafs, but then Frederick Anderson actually stole that game for the Leafs. So they've been playing a lot of these ugly, low-scoring, gritty type types of games, and that's probably going to be what we see at least until Eichel gets back. But that's what we've seen from this team a lot over the last year and change. That's kind of this team's style. As boring as it is to watch a lot of the time, that's this team's style. They don't score much. They don't give up a lot of goals. Today they, today they did give up a lot of goals, but it was due to the, the penalty kills. It was due to all the power plays they gave up, all the penalties that they took. Giving up three goals, they gave up just one at even strength. And it wasn't that lopsided of a game at even strength. And this poor officiating today was kind of a common theme. So for those of you that watched the Bills game, I was trying to watch both. I didn't catch a lot of the end of the game live, end of the Sabres game live, because I did go and watch the Bills game. But poor officiating was just a theme for Buffalo sports tonight for whatever reason. I don't like to harp on the officiating too much. If you notice on this podcast, I don't do a lot of talking about the officiating. But tonight it really did swing the game. You know, when you have eight power plays in a game, Officiating is a factor. That's very rare for a team to take that many penalties, especially the Sabres this year have not been penalized very often. Sabres have done a pretty good job at staying out of the box, and their penalty kill has been good really up until this game. And that's been one of the things that's kept this team's head above water has been their special teams play. They have not been very good at even strength, but their power play has been pretty good. Their penalty kill has been good. But today... They didn't draw penalties, or they weren't you know, given power plays by the officials, and they took a lot of penalties, and the penalty kill struggled. So the power play didn't generate anything. The penalty kill could not figure out Boston's power play, and they lost. And that's really been the formula. If the Sabres have not shown up on special teams, they have not won. And I know that's the way that this league has gone, where special teams are so important that winning that battle is so important to winning the game. But this team is so dependent on special teams right now because they are just not very good at even strength. They might be a decent possession team at even strength, a somewhat okay possession team at even strength, but they are not good at converting that possession into scoring chances. That's been something I've been harping on this team from day one. That's still something this team lacks is skill. It seems they're, they're not good at turning possession into scoring chances and then turning scoring chances into goals. And that's going to be a recurring theme on this podcast. I know part of it's Bilesma's system. The dump and chase 
has not worked, and they've been playing some slower teams where it should be easier to get in on their defensemen. But it was not working that well tonight. And Bilesma's gone away from what worked during that little winning streak, that little uh, stretch of wins that they had going. And they're back to this dump and chase style where they look slow, and it's just not effective. And despite playing slower teams, they still haven't been able to, to get in on the defensemen and wreak havoc on the forecheck, which is, I'm sure, in Bilesma's head what he wants to try to do. But I think we're going to see a lot more of these types of games where they're trying to eke it out at even strength, and if they don't win the special teams battle, they're not winning the game. And it's unfortunate they're 5-5-2 five, five, and two right now, despite being pretty good on special teams. So you got to think, if, if they go through a lull, whether it's on the just on the power play or just on the penalty kill or both, you've got to think this team could have a pretty rough stretch of games. I'm not saying it's imminent or anything, but power plays and penalty kills tend to be pretty cyclical. You tend to be streaky. You tend to kill a bunch of penalties in a row, then have a stretch of giving up goals at a high rate. So that's what I'm worried about with this team is that their special teams play is not sustainable, and this game goes a long way. This game's kind of a microcosm of that where I could see this extending beyond this game, and this team could really struggle without being able to generate a power play goal every game and without able to have a pretty high rate killing on the power play. So the first players I have to blame tonight, because obviously some blame has to be laid for a poor performance, are Rasmus Ristolainen and Josh Georges. So they were consistently outplayed for most of this game. And I've been pretty consistently critical of Georges and the role that he's played on this team. I think he's playing above where he should be. He should not be playing with this team's number one defenseman. But I had liked Ristolainen a lot more over the last stretch of games. I had talked recently about him shaking off the rust and really imposing his will. But I didn't really see much of that tonight. It's, it is it is tough, especially on the defensive end, to really isolate one defenseman's play from his partner. So I'm kind of hesitant to place a ton of the blame on Ristolainen. But Bilesma is treating this guy like he's Drew Doughty, like you can throw anybody next to him, and he's going to play at a high level. And I like Ristolainen. I think he's got a lot of potential to be a pretty good number one defenseman, but he's not Drew Doughty. He's not even close to Drew Doughty. So you can't just throw anyone next to this guy. You can't throw Rob Scuderi next to Rasmus Ristolainen and expect that group, that pairing, to play like a top pairing. It's just not going to happen. So I think a lot of that's got to be placed on Bilesma for putting Ristolainen in that position. I, of course, don't want to absolve Ristolainen from any play or from his play and from that pair not being effective, but I think he's being set up to fail a little bit. And a lot of people have been saying this about George just being put with Ristolainen and people want to talk about Georges and his leadership ability and all that and the veteran presence next to Ristolainen which I can respect that to a point but he's not an effective top four defenseman and if you're trying to play Ristolainen tough minutes if you're trying to play him against top uh, top opposing forward lines you cannot have Josh Georges next to him you know Ristolainen is still learning how to be a top pairing defenseman he still goes through his ups and downs, but if you're putting him next to somebody that's not fit for that role, you are setting him up to fail on most nights. And he's got to rise up above that even more. Beyond figuring it out himself, he's now got to figure out how can I make up for the play of my partner. 
It's just not, gonna, not a good position to be in. Now, I understand the Sabres' depth is tested, and I don't want to blast Murray. I talk about that every podcast. The depth on this team is poor, especially on the defensive end. But Josh Georges should not be with Ristolainen. You know, whether you want to put Georges with somebody else, play Kulikov with Ristolainen. I know that they're trying to isolate. They're trying to put the bottom three defensemen with the top three defensemen on the pairings and kind of cycle them through evenly. But I don't think that's going to work. I think you've got to have a top pairing you can lean on. Jake McCabe and Cody Franson have been somewhat effective as a second pairing. I've liked Jake McCabe a lot. I'm going to talk about that pairing a little bit later. Uh, But I think you need another pairing that you can lean on a little bit. You know, whether that means you have to put Georges and Casey Nelson together playing 12 to 15 minutes a night, and you've really got to lean on that Kulikov Ristolainen pairing until Zach Bogosian gets back, you may have to do that. I don't think this setup is going to work, and I, I am hesitant to play Ristolainen in such big minutes. I think that that hurt him down the stretch last year, and that was a big reason why we saw him struggle and why he fell off after that very impressive first half that he had. But they don't really have another option right now. And you're not doing him any favors by playing him a lot of minutes and playing him a lot of minutes next to a guy that's not not an effective top four defenseman. When Ristolainen is still learning the NHL game and he's still inconsistent. You know, as much as I like his upside, he's not at that point yet where you can just throw somebody next to him and expect that that pairing to be effective every night. And and you saw that tonight. I also didn't really like the fourth line tonight. I thought they were pretty outplayed consistently in, in limited action. It's tough to expect competent play from that line on a consistent basis when really none of them has established themselves at the NHL level. You know, these are all still really AHL 